today we're reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 17. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you tonight and to be preaching from Matthew chapter 21. When you hear the Bible uh, read in church, or indeed when you read it yourself, uh, you can read uh, kind of passively, where you just let the words float over the top of you, or you can read actively, where you pay careful attention to them. And particularly when it's a story, when you use your imagination to imagine the scene, to smell the smells, to feel the vibes, and to join in the action. So. I want you to do that tonight, and if you feel like calling out Hosanna every now and then during the sermon, that'll be really welcome. I'd really enjoy that. Well, we read, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying, go to the village and find a donkey. Well, they were walking and approaching Jerusalem, like many, many other people at that time, were walking and approaching Jerusalem. There were Jews from all over the Holy Land, particularly from Galilee, where Jesus and the disciples came from. There were Jews from uh, Asia Minor and from Egypt and from North Africa who would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover once a year. So when we read about the crowds, we want to imagine really big crowds, 
Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, estimated that at the Passovers in his time there were two million people gathered in Jerusalem. Well, perhaps he didn't count them, that's a lot of people, but even if there are a million, that's a lot of people gathered together. So Jesus and his disciples were part of a really big crowd. You'll find a donkey. It's an odd thing to find in the Bible, isn't it? Particularly as the way Jesus moved around the Holy Land was by walking. He was a pedestrian. He spent his time walking around the Holy Land. And this is the only occasion on which Jesus used a means of transport, uh, like a tram or a train, but they didn't have trams or trains in those days. So obviously the means of transport is important. What did it mean? While the disciples are getting the donkey, according to Jesus' instructions, let's look at verses 4 and 5 where Matthew explains what the donkey means. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet a quotation from Isaiah and Zechariah combined, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So if Jesus had always walked, why is he now taking a donkey? The answer is, it was an acted parable, an action with a meaning and a message. And we know that the meaning and message was the one which Isaiah and Zechariah had prophesied. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But let's ask the question, who is arriving in Jerusalem? You'll know from Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus has the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You'll know from Matthew chapter 1 that he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the one arriving and the one seated on a donkey is God with us who is here to save us from our sins. That's who Jesus is. That's why he's called your king, who is coming to you. Why did Jesus enter Jerusalem humbly? You might remember that Jesus predicted Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Or indeed, in a parable that Jesus told just after this entry to Jerusalem, he told the story of the man who had a vineyard and leased it out to uh, tenants and then sent his agents to get uh, uh, some of the produce and they uh, killed the, the, the agent who came and so he sent two more and they killed them and finally he said, 
I will send my son, and they killed the son. So Jesus is saying, you know, I'm, I'm coming here to die. I'm coming here to be killed. I'm coming to Jerusalem to suffer. See to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you. How does he come to you? Gentle. And as a sign that he's coming gently, not to fight a battle, not to beat up the Romans, but to die. As a sign that he's coming gently, he is riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The word gentle is a lovely word, isn't it? The word gentle is a lovely word. See your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. We don't often think of rulers being gentle, do we? Though good rulers are gentle. And this gentle arrival of Jesus fits his words earlier in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, I think this is an extraordinary gift of Jesus to the world of his time and to the world today. There were very few gentle rulers in Jesus' day and there aren't a lot of gentle rulers in our world today. And would there, there was more gentleness in our parliament and in our society and in our marriages and in our families in our communities and on our roads. As I've been preparing this sermon, I've thought, I haven't heard anybody talking about gentleness because it's missing from our world, our community. Even the cancel culture is scarcely described as gentle. It's not a high value in our community and our society and our world. And yet for Jesus it's so important. He says there in that quote from Matthew 11, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the meek or blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. So the gentle king calls his people to be gentle as well. Now, in lots of Bible, Bibles, this uh, bit of Matthew is described as the triumphal entry. And it was a triumphal entry, but it was also a humble entry, wasn't it? A modest entry. Jesus didn't arrive on a war horse. He arrived on a donkey. Gentle leadership is in short supply and gentle relationships 
are in short supply in our world. But Jesus, in coming to Jerusalem to die, illustrated these words from Philippians chapter 2. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Well, let's return to that scene on the Mount of Olives. Engage your imagination. See the scene, smell the smells, feel the vibes, join in the action. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. Now, at first reading, that sounds as if Jesus is sitting on two animals at the same time which is scarcely a dignified way to enter Jerusalem as a king. Let me explain what actually happened is that he sits on the colt, that is the little donkey, and they bring the colt's mummy with the colt because it might be the first time he'd been out carrying a person or carrying a burden and so his mummy came along, the mummy donkey came along to not hold his uh, paw or no, hold his hoof because that would have impeded the journey but just to kind of be around and be helpful and they did put cloaks on the mother and the colt mother donkey and the colt but Jesus only sat on one of the animals so if you've been trying to imagine Jesus uh, sitting on two animals at once don't bother he was just sitting on one animal and the very large crowds all these pilgrims from around the Mediterranean world around the Roman Empire Galileans included, spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And we know from John's Gospel that these were palm branches, which is why there are palm branches all around me. And the crowds that went ahead of him and the crowds that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna, praise to the son of David. Blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. Praise be in the highest heaven. And there's such a noise, such a kerfuffle, such, such a loud cry as I, as I heard a few hosannas just a moment ago, didn't I? Yes, there's one just floating up in the air. I see it now. That's right. That the people in the city uh, asked, well, who, who is this? Uh, uh, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? So we're to think of the city, I think, as the people who live in Jerusalem and they hear all these pilgrims coming among the million pilgrims who are arriving and they call a great noise and they ask, well, who is this person who's causing all this trouble? And the crowds, I think some of them, answer rather proudly, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, where we come from. So Jesus has entered his donkey ride. Verse 12, he entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, the benches of those selling doves. It's written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus is coming in gentleness, but he is tough when he needs to be tough. This, I think, is also an acted 
parable, as is the cursing of the fig tree, which follows this story. Back in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, Jesus has said, these are remarkable words, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Matthew 12, 6. Well, let me tell you, the temple was a magnificent building built by King Herod. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world until it was pulled down by the Romans when they invaded the Holy Land and destroyed the Jews who were living there. But when Jesus says uh, that something greater than the temple is here, he's saying, I'm greater than the temple. I'll replace the temple because I am God in your midst. I'll replace the priests because I'm your true great high priest. I'll replace the sacrifices by my sacrifice for sin once for all. So in a way, by cleaning out the temple of the rubbish in it, he's saying, well, not only is he uh, cleaning up the people of God, but he's also, actually, it's a parable saying that one day this temple itself will be, as Jesus says in chapter 24, do you see all these things? I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. But that's not all he does in the temple. Verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Another sign of his gentleness and patience and kindness and compassion and understanding. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they'd picked up this little message because they'd heard it from you. No, they'd heard it from the crowds, but they would have heard it from you had they been here tonight and they would have kept on singing out the same words, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant, these chief priests and the temple teachers of the law. Do you hear what these children are saying? <laughs> yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, O Lord, you have called forth your praise? Isn't that extraordinary? Even God welcomes the praise of children and nursing infants. I'm not quite sure how nursing infants praise God. Perhaps it's just by taking food in and excreting it at the other end, which is what they're meant to do. Perhaps it is by smiling at grannies and grandpas, which they're also meant to do. Thank you very much for that. That's very helpful. And perhaps it's by growing up and becoming not nursing infants but little children and then later on adults. Well, have you seen your gentle king riding into Jerusalem to face his death, riding on a humble donkey, healing the sick and welcoming the praises of children and nursing infants? One of the leaders of the Reformation was Martin Luther from Germany and he wrote these words about Jesus. 
the Son of God did not want to be seen and found in heaven. Therefore he descended from heaven in his humility and came to us in our flesh, laid himself in the womb of his mother and in the manger and went to the cross. This was the ladder that he placed on earth so that we might ascend to God on it. It's a very vivid picture, isn't it? Here's a ladder. The top of the ladder is God. At the bottom of the ladder is Jesus in his weakness and humility and suffering. So that anyone can come to him and so come to God. Anyone can come to this gentle king and be received gently and kindly and compassionately and rise to God. So we don't have to rise to God by our own understanding, our intelligence, our wit, our wisdom or our works. But we cannot bypass this ladder. We cannot bypass the Christ who came into our world, who became one of us, who washed his disciples' feet, who humbled himself even to death on a cross. For it is in the midst of our poverty, our sin, our weakness, our waywardness, our confusion, our ignorance, our messy lives, that Christ comes with gentleness and gently draws us to himself and gently leads us to God. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Though he was rich, he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And hear the invitation of Jesus. Come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, your king comes to you gentle and hear his words come to me for I am gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest to your souls he has come to you see your king coming now you must come to him as he says come to me for I am gentle and humble in heart It may be that you should now turn to Jesus for the first time, hearing his gracious invitation, come to me for I am gentle and humble in heart. If you're turning to Jesus for the first time, don't be frightened, for he is a gentle king, full of kindness 
and compassion and understanding and sweetness and forgiveness and acceptance. Or perhaps you have not enjoyed and received the gentleness that only Jesus can provide, only God can provide. Perhaps you've been trying to find that gentleness from other people, putting pressure on them to be gentle or being frustrated because they're not gentle enough. Perhaps there's a gentleness gap in your life. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And hear Jesus' words, Come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a while, but you've been wandering away, drifting away, not intentionally, but kind of accidentally. See your gentle king and come to him. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've been nurturing sin in your life. You know it's wrong, but you just can't seem to break free of it. And so you think, well, I must keep away from God and from Jesus because they'll disapprove. Well, please hear or see the gentle king who come, comes for you. And please heed his words. Come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Or perhaps your life or your work or your marriage or your family is a bit of a mess at present and you think, well, I need to sort myself out before I can approach God again. Please don't wait to sort yourself out. Hear Jesus' words, come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Perhaps St. Jude's as a church is falling short of God's high calling. If so, what we should do as a church is come to our gentle king and hear his gentle words. Come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. See your gentle king as he comes. Hear his gentle words. Come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. O oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this earth with all your power and authority and glory, but also in compassion, kindness, patience, gentleness and forgiveness. Please fill our minds with you and your glory and your gentleness. And please let us hear your words of invitation and come to you in our weakness and need. We ask this for your glory. Amen.